guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. If you're new, my name is Valencia and I'm your host and the Oh My Allergies podcast is your one-stop destination for all things allergies related. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to check labels when you have food allergies. I wanted to be able to talk about that because this whole month of May is Food Allergy Awareness Month. And so I really think it's important to talk about why it is crucial for families and individuals to look at the packaged food labels when they're going out to the grocery store and making their grocery selections. Because the only way to be able to avoid your problem food is making sure that you are aware um, that the food that you're buying contains an allergen because you can't just know by just looking at it, you need to look at the ingredients list. So before I get into today's topic, you guys know I have to talk about what's been going on. So what's going on with me right now? I am wrapping up my finals right now. I'm almost done, but not quite. Um, I had a group report that ended up being 18 pages long. And that whole like group project situation was just very interesting. That's probably just the nicest way to put it. Um, It was just a lot, you know, with trying to get everybody together, trying to get everything done remotely, especially with the times that we're living in, just trying to coordinate with everybody's schedules, what's going on, and plus, it's a group project. So you guys know, if you've done group projects before, whether you were in like high school, college, etc., then you know how group projects can go. They can go really, really good or really, really bad. Um, but luckily mine wasn't like too bad, uh, but we did have some hiccups. Um, I also had another report for one of my other classes, but it was like 23 pages long and that's like just absolutely insane. Like I was just happy that I had half of the report done prior to finals time because of how everything was set up because we had to submit things on a week-by-week basis that kind of contributed to our overall portfolio we would submit at the end of the semester. And I know when I first found out about that and how it was optional, I was like, I don't really know if I want to do it because it's just an extra step that you have to do each week. But it really paid off in the long run and I got an A on that, like a solid A on that report. So I am really happy about that. But yeah, there's a lot of work that went into that, doing that earlier on. And then also there was the other half of the report that I had to do and making sure that my portfolio was good and making sure it was properly formatted. Like you guys know the gist. And what's another thing I had? Oh, I also had a Spanish final, which fingers crossed that I did well on it because I honestly don't know how well I did on it. I also had a Spanish presentation and I had to talk about any topic that I wanted to that was Hispanic related and do it for a certain amount of time. (laughs) Let's just talk about, I was so stressed out about this presentation and the presentation didn't even last that long, guys. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, like I need to have my stuff down packed, but you know, I feel more 
familiar with the material and you know I don't want to have it where when I'm doing the presentation I sound like a monotone a monotone person because I was going through the presentation with my mom and when I did it the first time for her like she was just not engaged and she was just like you're talking in one level like you need to have some more inflections in your voice kind of how when you are talking in your native tongue so just to be able to keep people engaged with what you're saying because that's also a factor that I'm being graded on for the presentation as well. So it was just a lot of keeping that in mind and making sure that I felt comfortable with the vocab and the tenses and verb usage and all of that stuff and conjugating like... But overall, I, th- I felt really good about my presentation and about my exam for that class. So we'll just see how everything pans out. But I feel really good about it, though. Um, and then uh, I think I have, yeah, I have one other thing to do. I'm currently working on a paper final, and I'm almost done with it, thank goodness. But it's not too bad. I know compared to all the other stuff I had to do, which were like 18 pages 23 pages long worth of content you know I'm like if I can do those two things then I can get through this paper I have to do so that's what's been going on with me amidst you know all the other stuff that's going on in the world but that's kind of been my focus right now has been trying to wrap up the school year on a high note so now that I'm done talking about what's been going on with me lately I guess I can get right into my foodie likes. So my first foodie like is something that I just like recently, recently tried, like this past weekend recently tried, and it's Krispy Kreme's ground coffee. Now, it was something that I saw in Kroger a couple days ago, and it was on sale. And so I was like, okay, well, we can try it out because it was like on a really, really, really good sale. And it wasn't even close to expiring anyway, so I had no idea why it was on sale but I'm like I'm not gonna fight with it I'm just gonna accept it so then me and my mom we tried it and it actually turned out to be really good now I don't know if I've tried Krispy Kreme's coffee like in the past like when I've gone to like Krispy Kreme the actual like place but the ground coffee is pretty good and I would recommend it it's like a medium roast so it's not like my usual cup of coffee that I would have because I'm more so of a dark roast person but I also do like donut shop coffee too for those of you who have like Keurigs and stuff so I would recommend it I'd say I'd say it's a little bit better than donut shop to be completely honest um and I would get it again um even if it wasn't on sale but I liked it um another one of my favorites like my foodie likes has been the allergen free chocolate chips from Kroger they're a simple truth brand now I've been baking a lot lately because my grandparents and my aunt and and I have been doing like this whole like baking exchange throughout quarantining like I've not baked this much in a very long time so I've been using those chocolate chips to be able to make my pumpkin chocolate chip cookies um so we've been just swapping different desserts and stuff like that just to be able to keep busy and to still be able to connect with our um, other family members that we're not like quarantining with so that's been pretty interesting but those chips are pretty good normally uh, my go-to ones are the enjoy life ones uh, just because they're like 
allergen like free of like all top eight allergens and I know that I can trust them and they taste really good and the consistency is really good like when they melt like the chocolate like I highly recommend that chocolate too but when I went to Kroger they were out so went with the store brand one and they actually didn't turn out that bad and I would recommend them like I would almost put them up there with Enjoy Life but me personally like I know what to expect with Enjoy Life so I tend to go and buy their products but if they were either sold out or I wanted to be able to try something new um, then I would go with the Kroger Simple Truth. And plus you save more money with going with the Kroger Simple Truth ones too. So I might end up get, getting these if I want to go more of the semi-sweet because these were the semi-sweet flavor and not like the dark chocolate ones. And you guys know like my favorite type of chocolate is dark chocolate. So I think if I want to make a dessert that calls for semi-sweet chocolate, then I would go get the Kroger brand ones. But if I wanted, you know, my typical like dark chocolate, then I would obviously go with Enjoy Life because Kroger doesn't have dark chocolate, at least at the store that I went to. Speaking of a chocolate, for some reason during this whole quarantine, I don't know what it is, but like chocolate has been like my snack. And I'm not really like a candy person, but I do like chocolate, but I don't eat chocolate that often. Like I'll usually eat it around maybe like the holidays, like specifically like Christmas and Thanksgiving. But besides that, I don't really eat chocolate, but for some reason during this quarantine, I have been. So I've been eating the endangered species is their 88% chocolate bar because you guys know I love a dark chocolate like I just really love like the strong bitter silky and smooth taste of like really 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 dark chocolate like I know that's just for an acquired taste but I personally like it so I've been uh getting the chocolate bar sometimes when I go to the grocery store because I I haven't been lately, maybe within the past like week or two, I have not really been eating that much chocolate. But in the beginning of the quarantine, like every time we go to the grocery store, like I would get chocolate from endangered species because A, I could know that I could trust their ingredients and I know there wasn't going to be any milk in it, which is a plus because all their stuff, well, not all their stuff, but the stuff that I get is vegan. I make sure of it just because you guys know I have my dairy allergies. Um, So I typically go with endangered species. So you're not going to be surprised that my next chocolate favorite is from endangered species. It's their cacao nibs and dark chocolate. Now that chocolate bar I think is like 70% like cocoa so it's not as strong and bitter as like the 88% but to me with this bar it tastes like a what's the bar I'm thinking of when I was younger it tastes like a crunch bar because of the cacao nibs in it so it's very like sweet and it has like that crunch to it from like a crunch bar so to me I feel like if you liked crunch bars when you were younger or you're trying to move away from like really sugary candy and you want to go more of the healthier route then I would recommend trying these cacao nibs and dark chocolate bar from endangered species because it tastes really good it's like a good balance of it now for me because I don't really like things that are too too sweet so this is something that I would have like every once in a while not like all the time like if I had to choose between either having this all the time or having 88% cocoa chocolate I would go with the 88% cocoa chocolate I mean it's healthier for you as well because it's like really 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 dark chocolate but I mean compared to like milk chocolate and stuff all of this stuff is healthier for you um but yeah those have been my uh foodie like some things that have been carrying me throughout this quarantine because there comes those times when you're watching 
either Netflix or Apple TV or just regular TV, whatever you're watching on television, you want to have a TV watching snack. So I'll just maybe get a, a piece or two or three of <laughs> of my chocolate bar or um, either have like the Krispy Kreme coffee with my breakfast, just like those types of ways that I incorporate the things that I just mentioned into my quarantine routine. But now that I'm done talking about my foodie likes, I guess we can get right into the allergy news. This week's allergy news is coming from from Allergic Living and it is about a student who is a college student and she has celiac and she sued her university over having her meals be filled with gluten. So the situation is that um, she was, she's obviously a student at a university and her and her parents were meeting face-to-face with the university's nutritionist, making sure that the dining staff was fully trained and aware of gluten-free protocols, uh, avoiding cross-contamination when it comes to food before she was accepted just to make sure that this university was the best place for her, not only for her studies, but also for food. Because when you go to a university, especially if you are a first-year student, you're going to have to have the meal plan. So you want to make sure that this meal plan that you're paying for is going to be able to accommodate the needs that you have dietary-wise. They went and met with the school, and so they assured her that everything was going to be fine. So she enrolled into the school, but then what happened was that she suffered like three severe celiac attacks within her first year at her school. And that was from repeatedly being served food that has gluten in them, even though she was assured that her food was gluten-free. And so now she is suing her university for discriminating against her on, you know, the basis of disability and how when in the fall 2017 semester, she was told how the cereal that was being served to her for breakfast was gluten-free and that it wasn't. that she reported that she was vomiting and it was so intense that you know it's it just gets really really graphic um and that she suffered like brain fog and different and difficulty walking which is just very very unfortunate and so sad because I don't wish this on anybody and it sucks that yet again these universities you know they're worried about taking your money for your tuition and your meal plan and they really don't they really don't have the right measures in place to make sure that their students are taken care of when it comes to meals because I'm like if you're paying for a meal plan then it doesn't make sense that they're not providing those resources especially when they assured her beforehand before she enrolled that she would be fine and in here it talks about how that same day um, when that first incident happened, she requested to have like a gluten-free vegetable soup, which was like a, like a sick meal option that she could be able to take to her room. And so the soup was supposed to be safe, but it actually had barley in it and that has gluten protein in it. And if you have celiac disease, you can't have that. So it really just seemed like according to this article that even though the university was like oh yeah you'll be fine blah 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 that they really didn't have a firm understanding on what celiac is like celiac disease is you know how it can impact your immune system and why it's very crucial that for the sake of the girl's health that anyone that is handling you know her food and other students' food who are going through the same predicament and has the same dietary restriction like 
celiac disease, gluten-free, like there are certain protocols that you have to take. And it's not something to be like, oops, I messed up this one time. I mean, because based off of how graphic it kind of gets in this article, it could have really gone south really, really quick. And it's very unfortunate that she kept getting exposed to this, even though that they were assuring her that everything was fine and everything wasn't and how it doesn't make sense how this like I just feel that schools just need to do a better job of getting educated on food allergies and other allergies as well and that that will just make them be that much more ahead than other universities because obviously there's still some universities who still don't who still don't understand the importance of it more and more people are getting food allergies and it's just sad that people have to go through this and have to do these lawsuits in order for people to understand that they're putting people's lives at risk if they are not taking these types of situations very seriously and taking the the health of their students very seriously. I've talked about my own situations that I've had with my university as far as their food allergy protocols, which I feel like they really need to be improved. And I've talked about that with, you know, the staff for my cafeteria. And it sucks that people still don't understand the seriousness of it and we are in 2020 now. Not only is this impacting somebody's health because of the food, but now when you're going to college, you're dealing with food allergy anxiety because you don't know whether or not the foods that you're touching or the foods that you are interested in actually have the allergen that you can't have. And it's, and it's something that's in the back of your brain because I've dealt with it before and I did a whole episode about dealing with food allergy anxiety and stress. You're like, okay, can I have this? Let me, let me see if I can go talk to somebody to be able to get an understanding of what's in the ingredients list. Are they telling me the truth? How will I know that they're telling me the truth? That's kind of a risk that you have to take that you don't really want to have to put your body in that type of a danger. So it's just very, 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 very unfortunate. So today's episode, like I said in the beginning, is all about how to read food labels and check labels when you have food allergies. Because the only way to be able to prevent a reaction to any of the foods that you're allergic to is obviously avoiding the problem food but you really can't know whether a food contains an allergen that you're allergic to simply by just looking at it now it helps that there are more laws and regulations that are coming in place like the food allergen labeling and consumer protection act of 2004 and that along with other things, has made it easier for people with food allergies to be able to identify their allergens and be able to avoid them in their foods that they're buying. So I know I've talked about it in previous episodes that a part of managing life with a food allergy, it really means that you need to be actively looking at food labels for your packaged foods and really just making sure that you're well aware of all the ingredients that are in the foods that you're eating every time that you're buying food. So even if you have purchased the food like hundreds of times, thousands of times, there's so many cases and I know with certain foods that I've eaten when I was younger to what the ingredients list looks like now, like ingredients list and manufacturing processes, they can change without even letting consumers know. So it's really important for you to 
actively be reading labels and not think, oh, because I've been getting this product for like 10 years, that'll be okay. Because you could be putting your life at risk or your kids at risk or your family at risk by not looking at the labels to make sure that you are ensuring that you are avoiding any potential allergens. So first I'm going to talk about what you should look for when you are looking at food labels and then going into and then breaking up all the top allergens and then along with some other foods and talking about what those types of allergens can typically be in as types of foods and then talking about what those names can be called when it comes to the ingredients list because there are secret names that a lot of these allergens go by so that you're thinking that oh well I don't see peanuts on the list or I don't see you know milk and dairy on the ingredients list so I'm fine but there's so many different terms that are used interchangeably that you could be potentially buying a product that has milk in it and you don't even know because it doesn't say milk so I know that's very frustrating because you would think that you should be able to trust the food that you're eating and if the ingredients list doesn't say something then you would think it doesn't have it but sadly that's not the world we live in. Now it's helpful that there's laws and regulations like the Food Allergen Labeling and Consumer Protection Act of 2004 which has made it easier for people with food allergies to be able to identify their problem foods and the ingredients list and being able to know okay well I need to avoid that food that has made it helpful but really and I've said this before in previous episodes a part of managing life with a food allergy is reading packaged food labels every single time you buy that food because even though you've purchased a food hundreds of times thousands of times for however many years ingredients and manufacturing processes they can change and consumers won't even know I know that there's been snacks that I might have um, had when I was younger and comparing the ingredients list of what it was then versus now is just night and day to the point where it's scary. So you just need to make a habit of carefully reading labels to make sure that you are avoiding any allergens or potential allergens that could be in your food. Now while all ingredients in a food they're supposed to be listed in the ingredients list but the Food Allergen Labeling and Consumer Protection Act of 2004 it only covers the eight most common allergens. So those are milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, wheat, fish, and uh, crustacean uh, shellfish. Now shellfish such as like oysters and clams and mussels and scallops, that's not really labeled as a major allergen. So that's something to keep in mind when you are looking at ingredients list that even though that you're allergic to that type of shellfish, that it could be in a food and you don't even know because it doesn't have to be on the packaging, which is completely insane and scary. So now that I've said all that, you're probably wondering, okay, okay, Valencia, I understand the importance of looking at food labels and why as a person who's dealing with food allergies, the importance of it, what should I look for? So some things that I've learned along the years on what to look for is obviously the allergen's common name in the ingredients list. So for an example, if you are going to the grocery store and you pick up the actual food item you're interested in purchasing and you turn it around and you see the ingredients list says milk. So for an example, when I go to the grocery store and I'm looking for chocolate, I talked about it earlier, um, I make it my business to pick up 
the chocolate bar or whatever, looking at the ingredients list and seeing if I see milk in the ingredients list, um, something like that. So that's more so like obvious the allergens in your face or looking for the word contains, which is something that can be found on chocolate as well. So if it says something like contains milk or contains milks and wheat or it contains soy or like some something like that, that's something to look for. Now, one thing that goes with that, that I don't know if people really realize this, is that the statements that you see on packaging sometimes where it says contains and then you fill in the blank with the food allergen, those statements are strictly voluntary for manufacturers. Like they're doing that because they want to, not because they necessarily have to, because there's currently no laws governing or requiring those types of statements. So those statements, in addition to statements and phrases like peanut free and egg free, those aren't regulated. So make sure that when you are buying foods that say that, that you're contacting the manufacturer to really, really, really be a hundred and thousand percent sure that that the packaging on that food is correct. Because you don't want to be in a position where you purchase something and you think that it doesn't have the allergen you're trying to avoid in it and then you eat it and then you have an allergic reaction and then something went wrong with their packaging. So just be on the safe side, always contact the manufacturer, which is something that I've done from time to time to be able to really have a clear understanding on what they're saying on the packaging is like true. And also another thing I want to say is just because that there isn't and like an, an advisory label kind of like the contains or the peanut free or the egg free type of statement that it doesn't mean that the product is safe and I know that that's very scary to think about that you could potentially be buying a product even though it doesn't say contains and it doesn't say peanut free egg free milk free soy free that type of thing that you would think that, oh, well, I'm purchasing this product, it's fine, it's safe. But just because it doesn't have that label, those types of labels on it, does not mean that it's safe. And I think that's kind of where the whole idea of making sure that food is properly labeled and that more and more manufacturers are being more transparent when it comes to what's in their food is going to have to become more and more important because we're not going to know what's in our food unless they clearly lay it out for us. Like, you're just not gonna know. I mean, you weren't in the manufacturing plant when they were making those foods. Like, you're just not gonna know. So it's really important that in order to really, 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 really know that just contact the manufacturer. Now, another side of it is talking about how for those, those top allergens, how in the ingredients list, usually you might find a less common form of the allergen in the ingredients list. And it might be in like parentheses or whatever. So for an example, you might see album, I think it's pronounced albumin, but that's basically egg. So making sure that you're looking for parentheses when you're looking in the ingredients list, because if you don't, then you might be missing out on something, something that's really, really important for you to know, especially if you have an egg allergy. So another tip that I have for when looking at the labels is just 
making sure that you're just familiarizing yourself with your allergen and the food it often appears in because food allergies it can appear in so many surprisingly different places like you would think that that peanuts might just appear in like treats and like desserts and like peanut butter and things that are more so in your face but you might find you know peanut in your chicken because I know there's some chicken places and chicken restaurants who cook their chicken in peanut oil so there's just things that you just need to be really really aware of and know that that allergen can be appearing in so many different surprising places so you need to know your allergen inside and out And that will be able to help with you being able to navigate eating different foods. If you come across a product and it doesn't have an ingredients list, it's literally a no-brainer. Don't buy it. If it doesn't have an ingredients list, you should not be eating it at all. Because you're really putting yourself at risk. At least with packaged foods, you can get somewhat of an idea. But if it doesn't have an ingredients list, just simply, just don't buy it. Don't buy it. And also another tip, if you have... Um, younger siblings that may be having food allergies or if you're a parent it's really important to make sure that you start incorporating checking labels as long as like early as that person can read just so that you're practicing that at home practicing that when you're shopping because it's something that becomes a part of their routine when they are going grocery shopping I know it's something that my family did with me when I was growing up whether it was just for like health reasons just knowing what is in your food or if it was for knowing if there's any allergens in your food it's really important to start that type of habit as young as you can just so that they can carry that with them and so it's not doesn't feel like a chore and it's more so okay this is something I need to do for my safety so those are all my tips for reading labels hopefully they were helpful and now I can get right into talking about the allergens I'm just going to be talking about a few allergens I'm not going to be going through the whole thing because we will be here for forever but If you guys like me going this in depth about food allergens and kind of like walking you guys through like the top allergens, talking about what types of products that you can typically find these allergens in and then the uh, less common names for the allergens that would be found in ingredients list, then be sure to let me know on the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram. It's at Oh My Allergies. Also, you can follow me on all my personal platforms, which is at Call Me Val Barnes on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I always leave that information in the show notes below. So now the first food we're going to be talking about is peanuts because peanuts, it's like the number one allergen like I know so many people who are allergic to peanuts it's crazy whether I grew up with them going to grade school or just you know people that I've met in college like that's one of the most common allergens that you'll find so with peanuts it can typically hide in more of the obvious places like chocolate and candy bars Um, it can also be found in like Asian style dipping sauces curry sauces Um, Egg rolls, spring rolls, um, trail mixes obviously can be found in ice cream if you get like peanut butter flavored ice cream. It can also be found in dog food or biscuits. It can also be found in certain body care products and makeup if they use like peanut derivatives or peanut oil. Now there's a long list of names (laughs) 
there is a long list of alternative names for peanuts that I am looking at. And I'll also leave a link to where I'm finding all this information below because this is kind of a lot of information to get through. But one of the um, obvious names that it, peanuts can be found underneath is peanut oil, peanut butter. It can be found um, in an ingredients list listed as Valencia's, which I think that's completely crazy <laughs> because apparently Valencia, it's a variety of the peanut plant. It can also be um, hidden underneath mandolona, mandolona nuts. It can be hidden under hydrolyzed plant protein, hydrolyzed protein, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, earth nuts, ground nuts, goober nuts, arachis oil, arachidic, arachidic acid, arachidic acid, um, kernel paste, and mandolonas, which I, I've, I don't even understand why Peanuts has so many alternate names. Like, it just, it kind of drives, it drives me crazy and it kind of makes me mad that manufacturers take advantage of the fact that these allergens have alternate names and that they just use the alternate name that they know a lot of regular people don't even know about like I mean peanut oil and peanut butter that's a little bit more obvious but if I saw hydrolyzed vegetable protein or hydrolyzed plant protein I'm not going to know what that is if I saw mandolona nuts I might be a little bit more like eh, let me look that up type of thing but if I saw like Valencia's I wouldn't know what that is I would think hey look that's cool my name's on some packaging like you know what I mean like it's just not as straightforward as I personally think it should be. So the next allergen I'm gonna talk about is tree nuts. So tree nuts, it can be found in a multitude of things. It can be found in like crackers and baked goods and cereal and granola bars and trail mixes and um, salad dressings, uh, spreads. So like if you are doing like the nut butters and like Nutella and like Justin's um, hazelnut spread and things of that nature. And there's like the list goes on and on and on like tree nuts is it can be found in a lot of different places. So some of the less common names for tree nuts are a Queensland nut, which is kind of secret for macadamia nut, which that's something that I need to avoid. And I've seen Queensland nut before, but I was just like, I don't know what that is. But now I'm like, I'm fully well aware of what a Queensland nut is. And if I see it, I'm like, whoa, like I'm going all matrix, like, whoa, stay away from me. Um, some other names are filberts, which is another name for hazelnuts. There's nut meats, which I don't even know what that is. Um, then there's uh, anacardium nuts, which again, if I saw that, I'm, it might be a red flag because I see nuts. So I would just be curious as to looking up what that is. But it's just, it's just crazy. This is just crazy. So for milk and dairy, gosh. Uh, milk and dairy, it can be found in a lot of things. So from like butter to like baked goods to like fried foods and broths and flavoring and chocolate and candies and crackers and can be found in deli meats and 
hot dogs and salad dressings and just so many different things. So some uh, less common names for milk and dairy include whey and whey protein concentrate, uh, dry milk, milk solids, lactose, uh, milk derivative, fat and protein, uh, modified milk ingredients, uh, casein, uh, delactose or demineralized whey, um, um, rennet casein, caseinate, uh, lactobumin and lactobumin phosphate, hydrolyzed casein, hydrolyzed milk protein. Those are some of the um, less common names that that allergen can be found as an ingredients list. So the next food I'm gonna talk about is eggs. I don't really know anybody personally that has egg allergies, but I know it's in the top eight allergens, so I wanted to be able to talk about it. So eggs, it can be found in baked goods, crackers, uh, meat products with fillers, so like in meatballs and meatloaf, can be found in pasta, quiches, uh, salad dressing, sauces, it can be found like craft materials, which I think that's very weird. So some less common names that can be found in an ingredients list for eggs includes um, ovo, so ovo means egg, and I know that because I typically go by like being a pesco ovo vegetarian, which is like a vegetarian that eats fish and eggs. So for an example, how that would look is seeing like a ovotransferrin or a ovomucin, that type of thing. Al albumin slash albumin, colnobumin, globulin. Oh my gosh, like what? Like I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm just like, what is this? Another less common name is Vitellin, which I'm just like, again, how come they just can't put in parentheses next to all these things? Egg. So for fish and shellfish, uh, did I say that right? Yeah, I'm sorry, I have a, a lisp. So I usually, when it comes to shellfish, I have to say it super slow because if I don't, I will embarrass myself. <laughs> I will embarrass myself. So shell shellfish can be found in a lot of different ethnic foods like sushi and spring rolls and fried rice, can be found on pizza, salad dressing, sauces and spreads and pet food and a lot of other different places. At least for this fish and shellfish, there's only one, at least one that I found that was like a less common allergen name for fish and shellfish and it's cama camoboco. I don't even know what a camoboco is, but camoboco. It sounds like it sounds like a like a like calabunga. Like calabunga and it's like you're like a surfer dude. Oh gosh, I'm just so weird. So the next allergen I'm gonna get into is soy and legumes. So soy and legumes, it can be found in like baked goods. It can be found in like cereals and crackers, bread, cookies, infant formula, imitation dairy food, uh, mayonnaise. It can be found in miso. I love me a good miso soup. It can be found in like cosmetics and in soaps and medications and chewing gum. Some less uh, common allergen names for soy slash legumes is like bean curd, um, which I've heard of that name before. So like dofu, kori dofu, like kori with a K, K-O-R-I, uh, soybean curds, 
tofu, uh, edamame, okara, nemame, soya, soja, or soja, depending on how you pronounce S-O-J-A, soybeans, soya beans, um, you'll see soy protein, which is something I've seen before, I've seen vegetable protein before, I've seen lecithin before, um, I've seen like textured soy protein, textured vegetable protein, um, then there's mono, monosodium glutamate, yuba, um, mono deglyceride, and natto, and kinako. And the next uh, food allergen I'm going to talk about is corn. Now, I don't hear a lot of people talking about corn and having like a corn allergy. I know there's this one girl I went to a summer camp with like years ago and she was the very first person that I met and I think she's the only person that I know that has a corn allergy and I know when we were at camp she would always bring her own food so when I would go and hang out with her like she would have her own bread, she would have her own like basically everything to be able to make sandwiches in her room and be able to have different meals and snacks in her room because a lot of the foods that we would have summer camp like pizza and stuff they would be using corn oil so she would just be like I can't have pizza or have it where they order her a special pizza so we really connected in that way because we both were dealing with food allergies so corn it can be found in like alcohol uh, artificial flavorings and sweeteners it can be found in baking powder uh, confectioner sugar margarine and an olestra slash olene cooking oil. Now, these are some less common allergen names for corn. It could contain corn, some of these, but not always. So one is like citric acid, acetic acid, um, asorbic acid, dextrose, gluconate, glucose, glycol, glycerin, uh, xanthan gum, MSG, uh, maltodextrin, and then the last allergen I'm going to be talking about in today's episode is sesame. So for sesame, it can be found in like baked goods, uh, breadcrumbs, and other bread products like that to be found in like dips. So like in hummus, can be found in like dressings and certain ethnic foods it can be found in like herbs and processed meat sesame oil obviously and sesame salt pita chips and bagel chips so some less common names for sesame is like vegetable oil uh, tahini tahina simsim sesamum yeah so that's my whole spiel on my like tips on how to be able to check labels, read food labels, and really be able to get an understanding of what's actually in your food and being able to let you guys know about some of the less common names for some of these top eight allergens and other allergens that people could have food allergies to. So if you guys want me to do more episodes like this where I am talking through um, this type of stuff with you guys, then be sure to send me a message on the Oh My Allergies podcast and Instagram, which is at oh my allergies. Uh, be sure to give us a follow while you're there as well. Also, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future oh my allergy episodes. And then also, it would be really great if you love this episode, then to give this show a rating and hopefully it's five stars. And I will talk to you guys in my next episode. Bye guys. See you.